0: Hi everyone! Joining me today is Marissa Billions, award winning author of Like Sapphire Blue. It's a sapphic novel featuring Emma, a young girl who must overcome everyone's perception of her in order to live her best life. But when all her triumphs are shattered by a crushing betrayal, she can't help but wonder if everyone was right. They said she was going to be nothing, were they wrong? We'll dig into the story with Marissa in just a bit, but first let's get the inside scoop on the author. Marissa Billions is a high school English teacher. She holds a bachelor's and master's degree in criminology, and she is the author of the fiction novels This Too Shall Pass, Like Sapphire Blue, and Into the Blue Again, and she's currently working on her fourth novel. Marissa lives in Southern California with her wife Stephanie and son Alexander, and their two dogs, Max and Bonnie. You can learn more about Marissa Billions and her work at authormarissabillions.com. Well, hi, Marissa. Welcome back to Inside Scoop Live.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be back.
0: You know, the last time you were here, it was about a year and a half ago, and we talked about your debut novel, This Two Shall Pass. So what have you been up to since then?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot. Or I've published two novels since then, like Sapphire Blue and its sequel, Into the Blue Again. And I, at the time I wrote This Two Shall Pass, I didn't think I was going to write any more novels. I thought that might have been it, but now I'm kind of playing with a fourth one. Um, I've scrapped it and started over a couple times. So we'll see how that one goes.
0: Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm certainly glad you kept writing because, um, well, listen, I'll just bring the listeners up to date. Uh, Marissa's book, Like Sapphire Blue, actually kind of swept the 2022 Reader Views Literary Awards with her novel. Um, and I'm going to see if I can get this all right. She took on first place in the LGBTQIA category. First mm-hmm. place, in Western Pacific Regional Awards category, mm-hmm. first place in the global category for North America, the Amy Ligner Memorial Award of Excellence, and, you know, if all that wasn't enough, uh, Like <laughs> Sapphire Blue was our overall grand prize winner for fiction. So, wow, I'm so glad you kept writing.
1: <laughs> Congratulations. I, I, thank you. I'm, I'm still um, processing all of those awards. Like, it still doesn't seem real that I won. <laughs>
0: I follow you on social media because I I think you do a great job on like Bookstagram and and TikTok. And I saw the video about you checking the awards announcement, drinking a cup of coffee and spitting the coffee. (laughs) I thought that was great.
1: That was literally what happened. Uh, Because when you'd sent the finalist email, you know, you sent an email beforehand. You're like, congratulations, you're a finalist. And I was like, oh, cool. Like that was to me, like as far as I thought I was going to go, I was just happy to be a finalist. And so, the day that the announcements were, I didn't have that email. That, so, I was like, okay, so I didn't win, you know, like I didn't think I was going to. And so, I'm sitting there drinking my coffee. And then, like, I opened the email just to see who did win. Cause I was really excited for them. I was like, you know, let's see who, you know, mm-hmm. I need to add to my TBR file. Like, what, what books am I buying now? And when my book was the first one to pop up, I was like, no, I'm like, I'm not seeing that way. Right? Like, I, I need another sip of coffee. Like, and then we'll check that in a second. And then I opened it again and I was like, Oh my God, it was,
0: that was me. <laughs> I was so excited for you. So tell us what is like Sapphire Blue about? Tell us a little bit about the story.
1: So it's kind of a family saga, kind of a coming of age, kind of a psychological thriller all wrapped into one. Well, it starts with Emma when she is, you know, five, six years old and follows her to her midlife and you know she's raised poor um by a single dad she doesn't know where her mom is her mom left when she was 3 months old and that's a huge part of her identity is not knowing who her mom is and feeling like she's abandoned and not loved and her dad is kind of gruff and rough around the edges and they're in a very wealthy town, even though they're poor. And so she sees what everybody else has, you know, a family, parents that are involved and money. And it kind of shapes her to to want more out of her life. And she does everything she can to succeed. And she falls in love with, you know, the school bully's girlfriend. And, you know, it becomes kind of messy from there. And there's definitely some huge plot twists that come into play after Emma comes into her own. And um she discovers the truth about her mom and she discovers the truth about herself and who she really is and she puts herself to the test and mm. kind of examines whether or not are we the sum of the worst things we've ever done or not to borrow from Brian Stevenson's quote
0: what a great storyline how did you actually come up with the idea
1: uh, <laughs> so actually believe it or not it was before I even wrote this two shall pass My wife and I had gone camping in um, this little place. It's in South Lake Tahoe called Zephyr Cove. Mm. And there weren't that many other people camping at the time we were there. And normally when we go camping and we park our RV, you know, people are out and about and they're talking to you and they're socializing with you and you're having this, you know, you just have a good time and you meet people. And it was the first time we'd gone anywhere where nobody was talking, like nobody socialized. (laughs) So I was like, this is weird you know so we're sitting there at the campfire and we're drinking our wine and so I just started pointing at RVs and like making up stories about everybody and there was this one person who had never unhitched and he looked like he was ready to like run at any time and I was like I bet you he killed his wife she's like you're so morbid like why why would you even say that I'm like because he looks like he's ready to take off at any minute and then like one day we woke up and like you know, we're early risers. We have dogs and, you know, dogs need to go out. And I woke up early in the morning. He was there when we went to bed at night. And when I woke up in the morning, he was gone. And I'm like, see, he killed his wife. He's on the run. <laughs> like, she's like, you're sick. And so I decided, cause I took notes on all the little short stories that I'd made up of these people. And I was like, okay, I'll write like a short story collection about all these different campers. And they're all tied together by being in the same place. Mm and that turned into what i thought was going to be my second novel and i had started writing it and i got to that short story and i was writing you know i was coming up with my backstory for this person and i'm like huh there's something more to this you know and i was out walking one morning and i was you know listening to my music and i'm like no this is its own story this is its own book and i just went from there and you know then all of a sudden emma was born and In my head And it became this This whole other beast And it came from that So there's a little bit of a spoiler You know Somebody does kill their wife (laughs) (laughs) So yeah It came from that And it kind of evolved And then The sequel Came Mostly because One of my Really good friends Who's also a beta reader for me um, Mm -hmm. Ryan She was like Please tell me that You know You let us know What happens to Emma After this And I'm like I wasn't going to (laughs) So I I wrapped it up mostly because Ryan asked me to. So, so yeah, the sequel does, you know, kind of give Emma a conclusion because I didn't I kind of wanted to let the readers decide, you know, does does Emma find peace or not, you know, at the end of it? And she's like, no, you need to tell us, like, what happens to Emma? Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, I've seen some of the reviews for Into the Blue again, and and that's been pretty popular as well, it seems like. So maybe it needed to be
1: finished. Well, it's funny because the people who, like, my less great reviews for it typically come from the people who didn't read, like, Sapphire Blue first, and they just read Into the Blue again. So I'm like, but the people who read, like, Sapphire Blue really love the conclusion, Mm mm-hmm. uh, So it's I, you know, I was hoping that they could be standalone, but it's not working out well that way. Yeah, you kind of need both. Yeah.
0: So you shared a little bit about Emma earlier. And, and from what you said, I, would you say she's motivated by her upbringing? Um,
1: right? She wants to be more than her father's daughter. She's determined. She, she decides, you know, midway through her adolescence that She is not a fan of her dad. She doesn't like the way he lives. She doesn't like the way he is. And she sees her potential. She sees that Mm. she can be more than Frank's daughter and more than a girl who works at the auto shop. And, you know, she wants to be successful. She wants the big house. She wants the woman of her dreams. She wants to succeed and not be what she is. Mm -hmm. So how does she meet her wife? She meets her wife her junior year of high school. She meets her in an art class like she's the bully's girlfriend and, um, you know, they're unlikely friends, you know, they um, they're seated together in an art class and she sees her and she just she knows like she, she feels there's something greater there. And they kind of had this little flirtation in the beginning and they are finally getting somewhere. And of course, you know, fate happens and they're pulled apart and, you know, they come together and they're pulled apart again. And then they finally come together midway through and, you know, they kind of have that dance with destiny. Like, you know, are we supposed to be together? Are we not supposed to be together? Why do we keep coming back together? Like. Mm-hmm. So there's like a dance um, between the two of them. And, you know, Bailey, definitely, the wife definitely is like, you know, no, we're supposed to be together. And Emma's like, "Mm, no, you know, every time we get together, something bad happens. And finally, you know, Bailey wears her down and they end up together. But, you know, you should always listen to your instincts. (laughs) (laughs) And we won't give away (laughs) any more. I think that's my hardest part with this book is like, there's two major plot twists. And I'm like, how do I talk about this without giving things away?
0: Right. Well, we won't say anything more about it, about the plot. But I know our reviewer really enjoyed one of our reviewers, we had a couple of reviewers read your book. And um, one of them said that her favorite part was their relationship, you know, the back and forth. And, you know, it had her feeling all the feels. And so was it easy for you to write those kind of intimate parts or not? What was the most challenging part about writing about the relationship
1: itself? I wanted it to feel authentic and I wanted it to feel realistic. And I'm like, you know, to have them come together in high school, like I wanted them to have that history. Mm-hmm. But like, it's not realistic for a lot of people to stay with their high school sweetheart, especially if you're gay and in the nineties, because that's when they meet. There's so many other things going on and you can't really be together back then or be open, you know, and dealing with the closet and dealing with the things that were common then than are now. You know, I have a lot of gay students now who are like completely out and they've been out since like middle school. And I'm like, good for you. Right. But like, that wasn't the reality for a lot of us back then. So I, I wanted to keep that authentic and then... You know, so what would be the things that they would, you know, deal with? I think that was the biggest thing was keeping it authentic and keeping it, you know, realistic without being kind of romanticized and fairy tale ish you know, and then deal with the grittiness of, you know, there's times where certain things that you love about somebody are going to be the most annoying thing in the world later on in the relationship. Like, exactly. <laughs> Bailey really admires Emma for her grit and determination. But then when they've been together for quite some time and that grit and determination is like taking over, you know, her time. She's like, you know, no, she gets upset. It bothers her and it becomes something that kind of tears them apart. So, I mean, a lot of it too, is just like thinking about, you know, what do I love about my wife? What drives me nuts about her, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I tried to keep, you know, bring a little bit of like my own truth into there a little bit you know what are things that bug her about me you know what are things that we love about each other what are things that have made us strong over the years what are things did we have to overcome so i tried to base a little bit of of that in some of our own reality
0: yeah yeah with emma you seem pretty fearless with your writing i mean i feel like she really goes through the ringer What is your relationship like with your characters? And how does that change over the course of your writing as the characters
1: go through their ups and downs? Well, like with this, too, Shall Pass, that one was kind of an easy one for me because the first couple sections are very much based on my life. So it was the closest I would ever get to being autobiographical, would be that book, up until that one has its little plot point twist. But Emma. Okay, I'm going to sound like I need to be like 5150 or something, but like, <laughs> she, like I literally felt like she came alive. Like, you know, I'd walk in the mornings before work and I'd put my soundtrack on that I would write to like as I was walking and I would literally feel like she was there walking with me. It was like running things by her. I'm like, okay, so this is what I'm going to have happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I could almost hear her be like, no, you can't. I would, I would never do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Wait, I'm writing the book. You're going to do that. And it's kind of funny because I remember reading an interview with Anne Rice many years ago where she was talking about how she felt like Lestat was real. And I was like, she's got to be crazy. Like, like, you know, he's fictional. Like she created him. Like, and then like when I was writing this book, I wished I could have called her and said, I understand your interview now. I used to think you were crazy, but no, this is, this happens. This is a dynamic that happens in your head and you're not crazy. Cause I'm not crazy. I don't think. <laughs> right. <laughs> So it didn't make sense to me when I read it years ago. And then it made sense to me when I was writing this book. And it was kind of the same thing with the sequel, because the sequel, even though it concludes Emma's story, it tells more of the story of a different character that comes in at the end of like Sapphire blue and you know, and I felt like I I knew these people, like I I felt like they've evolved into like real people, you know, and I had to really consider, you know, like, how would this person really deal with this situation? What would they do? You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is this a realistic reaction for this person? You know, because this is how they've been all along. Can I really have them act this way? And, you know, the reader is going to be able to maintain with them and maintain like a sense of empathy for them. Are they still going to root for them when they've done these really bad things? Yeah, yeah.
0: In my opinion, the best developed characters are between authors and characters that, you know, have those conversations. And sometimes the author just needs to step aside and let the character write the story. I don't think you're crazy, because I think the character is real. I mean, readers believe characters are real. (laughs) I know I do. I was like, I miss characters from books, you know, so Mm -hmm. we we believe they're real. So
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When I read certain books like that have stayed with me, like I still think about their characters. Like, you know, one of my favorites was um Jeffrey Eugenitus, his book Middlesex. And he's got these characters that I was just like, I fell in love reading that book. It was my first pandemic read. So I, you know, I wasn't working. I was just basically home all day and I just got to immerse myself in this book. And mm-hmm. It blew me away and his characters i was just like like i had a book hangover like after i had finished it i was devastated i wanted to die. like i was just like there's enough there's not gonna be anything that's gonna be this good
0: yeah <laughs> yeah and i love books like that oh mm-hmm. now we talked a little bit about bailey and emma's relationship let's talk about the lgbtq literature that's in the world right now because i feel like there's starting to be more and more of it but do you feel like it's still
1: really underrepresented? I mean, I think what happens is um, I think a lot of people don't want to read outside of their own experiences, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. the only negative review I ever had, unlike Sapphire Blue, was a reader and we're in an author group together. Like there's like 40 of us and we all kind of like, OK, I haven't read this one yet. I haven't read this one yet. You know, and we all kind of like decide which ones we're going to read. And then we like read and review each other's books. And she picked my book, and I was kind of leery when I saw she was the one who picked my book because I know that she writes from a very conservative standpoint. Mm-hmm. And she bashed my book because she said my characters were not people she would ever know in real life and she couldn't identify with them. And I'm like, Did you not read the blurb? I mean, it's yeah, they're lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think the underrepresentation is not in the amount that's being written at this point because if you go on Book Talk, and you just put in like sapphic book talk or lgbtq book talk Mm -hmm. or lgbtq literature you will get hundreds of amazing creators Mm -hmm. you know and i think also with indie writing and small press publishing you know we're out there and we're out there in mass but you have this mainstream group of people who are like oh i don't understand that so i don't want to read that you know Mm -hmm. when you know if you took a chance to read it, you might learn something new about a community you didn't know much about. Right, That's been kind of my goal this year has been to diversify my reading, you know, and read more from, you know, BIPOC authors and voices that I'm not, you know, that aren't mainstream. And it's been an amazing experience for me. I've truly enjoyed that. You know, because I think that helps build empathy in the world to step outside of your lens and learn somebody else's viewpoints, learn somebody else's experience. So I challenge the people who are like, oh, I, I, you know, I don't know if I want to read a book about gay people or I don't want to read a book about characters who don't look like me, you know, take that chance. It opens your mind to so much. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's where it comes from. I don't think it's not out there. It's just people aren't picking it up. Okay.
0: Okay. And maybe, like you said, it, it's probably more more well represented in the indie world and small press world than mainstream media, I guess, or um, traditional, I mean, he- you know, publishing. Yeah,
1: there are some traditional publishing authors that have made it big, you know, in the LGBTQ world. I'm blanking on her name's Casey, Casey something. Um, she wrote One Last Stop and like several others that have gotten a lot of big press and then you have Adam Silvera um, with um they both die at the end, um, oh, yeah. yeah, which that book broke me. <laughs> 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 I cried for like four hours after that book, you know, like I just like, no, <laughs> no I can't can't function anymore. <laughs> um, you know picking it up, they both die at the end, um, right, but it, you're still not prepared for it, and yeah. So, I mean, there are a few that have made it into the big five and they've gotten, you know, major press and they've won big awards and, you know, and it's amazing. And I'm so, so happy for that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely underrepresented in traditional publishing.
0: Yeah. I love branching out, like you say, and and diversifying and reading and, you know, being a book reviewer. I get to do that. And I never did that before I became a book reviewer. So, you know, but it just, it opens up your whole
1: world. It mm-hmm. absolutely does. And like I tell my students, because I make my students read and they, they, the beginning of the year, they always grumble. They're like, oh my God, you're going to make us read Silent Sustained Reading. Like, oh, I don't want to read books. <laughs> and, and like, there's so much science behind why it's good for you. Like, you know, and I go through and I literally like spend an entire day talking to them about why you should read. And like, and then I challenge them throughout the year, you know, like, all right, what have you read? You know, tell me about it. Like, you know, have you stepped outside of your comfort zone in any of the books you've read? So I try to push that and, you know, if I can, you know, make the world a little bit of a better place and have my kids go into the world with a little bit more empathy, like I would really love that.
0: Yeah. So you're diversifying as a reader. How
1: have you grown as a writer since you wrote your first novel? I try to challenge myself with each book with like a different like skill set, I guess is the best way to put it. Like I wanted to go deeper into the narrative with like Sapphire Blue. So I I really got into that third person limited, but I went deeper with doing a lot of her inner you know, dialogue mm-hmm. with Amazon dialogue. It was like one step away from putting her into first person. And then I really wanted to challenge myself with, you know, getting more into the sensory descriptions and like getting really into like putting you in with the character with into the blue again. So like I just kind of like picked like a skill set that I just want to like play with, I guess is the best yeah. way to put it. Yeah. And just, you know, challenge myself. So like my fourth one, I want to do multiple POV. So I'm trying to figure out how do I want to do that? You know, which characters are going to be worth really focusing on for their POV? Like, and how do I want to do it? And so I'm kind of playing with that a little bit. Yeah. So now do you plan things out? No. No.
0: Okay. No. You're just kind no.
1: of thinking all this through in your head. You don't actually plot it on paper. No, I'm a panster. Like I, okay. I have like a rough idea. Like I know where I want to start. I know where I want to end. I know some of the things in between that I would like to fit in, but it's how we get to all those points that I just kind of like, all right, you know, like, like with Emma, I was like, okay, how do we get there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me. Yeah.
0: So don't you forget, or do you just type it in your program you write, you use to write Um I writing?
1: have so bad. I use Google Docs and so I, you know, and I have it on my phone and my phone communicates with my computer. So I yeah. just kind of, you know, like I have like a doc that I keep notes on and, I, you know, refer back to it. And sometimes things that I initially planned out or thought about, I have like these ideas and sometimes like things that I initially had in that doc, I'm like, um, that's not going to work. So we throw that out and mm-hmm. like, you know, or I think of something better. And I'm like, you know, that would actually work better. Yeah. When I wrote like Sapphire Blue, I had a, the, a more firm outline when I began. But like, as I started writing, I was like, no, mm-hmm. no, you know, and like, then I had Emma like, no, no, I would never do that. You can't, you can't make me do that. <laughs> She's the boss. Or like, sometimes like I'll hear like a song or like a line of a song. And then I'm like, that would be so good in this story. Like if I could incorporate something that, that gets that emotion and like, okay, I want that. Like, how do I do that? Like, what, what are they going to do for that? So, yeah, I, I'm kind of loosey goosey with it. I wish I had more of a structure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, obviously, whatever you're doing is working. So now you mentioned music and I know you have a playlist. So were those mostly 90s songs to keep you in the mood or, or just whatever? Well, this like, is it, while you're like, writing.
1: Yeah, like Sapphire Blue, it spans from the 70s through the 2000s to, up through 2021 is where the book ends. So like some of it, it's just like, I'll be like on a Peloton workout and there'll be something on the, you know, that is playing while I'm on my ride. And I'm like, Oh, I like that. That fits Emma really well. And, mm. you know, and then I throw that into the playlist or with its sequel, there was actually one line in one song that drove the whole book. And it was from Elle King. She has this song called Under the Influence. And there's this one part in the song where she's like, and I, I just can't bear to live without the destruction of your love. And I'm mm. like... And she just sings it with this angst. And the first time I heard that song, I got chills. And then like one, I'd forgotten about it for a while, because it's, you know, it came out like 2016, I want to say, or 17. Yeah. And I was just driving and that song came on in my car and she sang that line again. And I was just like, oh, I forgot that line is so good. Like this song is so good. And I'm like, there's a whole story in that one line. And <laughs> And then when Ryan asked me to continue, you know, the story, I was like, it was right around that same time that I'd reheard that song. And I'm like, I got you. I I love that. I'm going to write a book about that line. (laughs) uh, That whole line. Because, you know, everybody's always talks about like how love is happy and it fixes people and it fixes things. And like, it doesn't always fix things and it's not always happy. Like love love destroys. Love can destroy you. And like Like nothing
0: else. (laughs) Right. So mm. so you mentioned a fourth novel and then you mentioned scrapping it. Are you on? Where do you stand right now with your latest
1: writing project? Tell us a little bit about that. I literally had like almost an entire first draft finished and I hated it. And I hate, like, I literally was like, I cannot redeem this. Like I cannot, like, I don't want to even work on this. Like I'm not loving this at all, oh, no. but I loved one of the characters. So I'm like, how do I fix this? You know, how do I make you work? You know, and I've been kind of, just to kind of keep myself writing, I've been doing short stories. There's a site that they do like every week they release like five short story prompts and you can submit your short stories into it. And I've been just kind of playing with my short stories and like seeing how I can kind of bring them all together right now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And out of the seven or eight that I put up on that site, there's a good four that I want to weave into something and that can come together to something. So now it's just a matter of making it that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are always the camping stories. Yeah. yeah. I've gone back to that. And it's funny. Like I I pulled that draft up where like Sapphire blue was born and I'm like, is there anything else in here? (laughs) (laughs) Hello? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it had its purpose. Uh It gave birth to Emma, but I don't see it coming of, of anything else. So I have a fourth one and it's very early on. And like, I know where I want to take it. I know where point a and point Z are. Mm-hmm. And now it's just a matter of stacking what's going to be in between. And how am I going to tell this story between these two?
0: Well, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Not much of a hint, but that's okay. You know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> because I don't really know yet. <laughs> <laughs> it started as something and I scrapped it and, um, like the collection of camping stories, like it gave birth to a character that told a story. And now I have that character that came from that original first draft. And now it's just a matter of making it something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My goal is, you know, maybe next winter to be done, you know, have it out and ready. Oh, wow. I did three novels in 18 months. Like, I think that's part of my problem is I did a lot really quickly.
0: You did. Yeah. Now, will and you I- stay in the same genre
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I figure it works for me. I'll, I'm going to stay in the kind of dark, twisty, psychological. I think it's also, too, because I like to read more macabre stories. I'm not much of a rom-com kind of girl. Like, right. You know, those happily ever afters and those Hallmark movies. Like, I just don't get the appeal. So, yeah, not that there's anything wrong with them for the people who like them. But for me, I don't enjoy that. So I don't right. write that.
0: Yeah. Well, Marissa, is there anything else you wanted to add today?
1: Um, just that I'm super grateful to read reviews. The services that you provide, I mean, and the things that you have done for me have been so well worth it and so just amazing. And I just I love your reviews. I love your newsletters. I love the interviews you guys put out. No, I just, I've oh. been really, really happy to, you know, work with you guys over the last couple of years. So,
0: yeah. Oh, well, thank you. I wasn't fishing for compliments.
1: I, know you <laughs> I was fishing I think, oh, for, I know.
0: yes, buy my book. Yeah,
1: no. <laughs> and yes, yes, you can buy my book. Um, I do have a website. If you want signed copies, you can send me an email and we'll send signed copies if you would like to order them through the website or you can, you know, buy them on Amazon um, and have them to you next day. I don't ship as fast as Amazon. Yeah. So I have three. This two shall pass, like sapphire blue, and um, into the blue again. Okay. Well, Marissa, thank
0: you so much for joining me today. This has been a real pleasure for me.
1: Thank you. and Again, like I said, thank you for all that you guys have done.
0: Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Marissa Billions. You can learn more about Marissa and her work at AuthorMarissaBillions.com. And be sure and check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com.